Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, and welcome to uh, yet another rendition or addition or edition, I guess, of uh, Lynn Cullen still still alive. And uh, it is September 9 in the year of our woe, 2020. Um, we are expecting uh, Ryan Dito, uh, chief writer for uh, Pittsburgh City Paper, to be joining us. Um, I want to talk uh, to him and with him about um, the state of the protest movement uh, in Pittsburgh, or at least the recent uh, bad behavior of some protesters. Uh, uh, let us let us um, be clear: a very small group. I think you can count them on one hand. Uh, most of the people who were at the protest that has gotten so much attention because of videos of some protesters behaving, I, let me just say, in a counterproductive way, let alone just obnoxious. Um, so <clears throat> I'm going to uh, I'm going to quickly. Uh, text uh ryan and make sure he remembers i'm telling hey ryan you there yes hello hello fashionably it's late it's me ryan dito right on time <laughs> no you're three minutes late buddy mine says two okay all right two you're right you're right um hi how you doing hi good 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 Okay, well, I was just ranting a bit, uh, tap dancing before you got on, about um, the fact that I would say a handful of uh, protesters in Pittsburgh um, over the weekend uh, were, to say the least, counterproductive in in uh, their behavior. Um, another word is. Stupid. Another word is. I mean, just it's um, it's maddening, and yep. I I don't have to say another word. All I have to do is say that it provided fodder to the right, right wing and oh, yeah. to even the president. Right. right. What yeah, the think, uh, hell is going yeah. on? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I guess uh, during one of their. Um, during one of the protest marches that typically happen every Saturday, um, part of uh, it, it's unclear if it was part of the same march or if it was, um, uh, I guess what it's, I don't like to use the word splinter, but you know, like a splinter march or something like that um, uh, occurred. And um, this is like pretty typical of a lot of the marches too, is that um, maybe there's one main march and, you know, some other people, you know, want to, want to keep protesting. They want to keep chanting. They want to keep, you know, like, I guess the pressure on or, or, you know, whatever they want to, you know, whatever demonstration they want to do. So sometimes it'll just kind of continue on. And, um, when a, when a, when a group of them were walking down Penn Avenue, uh, in downtown, um, some of them, uh, I think two, two, probably two of them got two. It looks like two, two, 
And we know who they are, right? Yeah. They are. Okay. Because I want fairly well known protesters. They're usually they're usually leading marches or doing some kind of chants. But you know, at the same time, these protests are sort of leaderless, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, and, and there usually tends to be a lot of speakers and, and a lot of people who might be leading chants or marches, but these two people are among those people quite regularly. Um, well, one and, is, let's, can I, one is, sure. is Lorenzo. Yep. That's Lorenzo Rulli or is that how yes. it's pronounced? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now he, just to be clear, was also the guy who, um, was the leader of the initial uh, protests at Mayor Peduto's house. Yep. Yes. Um, I want to ask a question. Kind of, yeah. And Go he ahead. was arrested a few n- yeah. nights later, right? Yeah, he's been arrested a few times. Yeah. I just want to, this is going to, I had wanted to talk to you about this. I saw once somebody say, and I want to know if you know this is true, that, um, he said he was off his meds. Okay. Is that true? Uh, I mean, that he's, uh, he's I bipolar. I, I can't, yeah, I can't confirm any of, um, you know, anything about his medical condition. Um, uh, you know, I, he, he um, hasn't spoken to me about that. I don't think I've really, I don't even know if I've ever spoken to him uh, for a story. Um, so, uh, but, but, he t- but he tweeted that out. Yeah. He has mentioned that that he has mental uh, health issues. Yes, he before. he does. And that night that he was in the car, and the police were trying to arrest him, and mm-hmm. uh, they went I, that night. The police went to incredible um, efforts. They were right. really patient. Oh yes, yes. To yes. get him out of the car. I mean, we got, yes. we'll give credit where credit is due. And yes. they knew they were dealing with someone who was off his meds. Yeah. I, I'm wondering if he's still off his meds, and I'm wondering what somebody off their meds is doing. Being, uh, I, I just who the hell? Somebody's got to take charge. They're do, they're doing damage now. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, to be frank, I agree with you. I think I think there needs to be, um, you know, some kind of uh, effort or internal, you know, workings that kind of. Um, you know, ensure that if, if someone like, you know, Lorenzo has, has, you know, suffered some mental health issues, um, it's probably, it's probably smart to, uh, to help him in, in a way that, you know, isn't kind of putting him in that, you know, putting him in those situations that, uh, you know, he might lash out at someone myself who has, you know, um, a family member with severe mental health issues. Uh, it's a struggle, you know? Yeah. And I don't mean to, I mean, I'm just saying if, okay. And this but, woman, but, or not a woman, I don't know, they, yeah, Nick, yeah, Nikki, is that how she pronounces it? He, yeah, they Nikki, pronounce it Nikki Kraft? Yes, yes. Um, the video shows her, I mean, just behaving, I, first of all, stupidly, because yeah. she picks up someone's drink yeah. and drinks it. Right. That's real smart yeah. when there's a right. pan- pandemic going on. Especially with during the pandemic, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's inappropriate even during <laughs> the pandemic, and it's especially especially inappropriate during a uh, during a pandemic. 
and then somebody else throwing the glass, and then the stuff in the McDonald's where you have them a, a black manager, and he's right. going insane with these people. Get, right. get get them out of here. And right. none of the stories the protester. And I want to say that most of the protesters didn't do anything. They were doing what protesters do. They were still right. in the street and they were right. doing their chance. Right. Well, we got to get, you got, they got to get rid of these idiots who supposedly are at the, I don't know. And when you yeah. have an amorphous yeah. group with no real strong leadership, it's pretty hard to get control. Yeah. You know, and I think that's kind of been the case uh, for most of the protests is kind of less like, you know, amorphous group and, and it's been somewhat successful throughout the time, and they've been in situations that have been extremely sympathetic to them in terms of the police, uh, how they've been going after uh, and arresting and tear gassing mm-hmm. and you know, pepper spraying things. Right. But I think I think something that I've really thought about is that, um, you know, obviously, just like everything, um, a few bad apples don't like showcase the like whole, you know, the whole. Um, group of what's happening, the whole movement of what is happening. But how the media is set up now is that it's always been skewed against this, you know, against, uh, or I guess, you know, for the status quo, which is yes. against this, this movement, you know, right. And exactly. so when, when there's any, um, instances of, uh, bad behavior by, you know, by the protesters. And I, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, no one supports somebody, drinking someone's beer and getting in their face and then, you know, smashing a glass, you know, or, you know, or intimidating people who are sitting outside eating. What did they do? Even, even if they, you know, even if they said something, even if they said something. And I think that's really something that of course, like there, you know, there might be an antagonistic, you know, saying that might bring you over that might bring you to do something. But if you are a leader of a movement, and even if you're just leading a march of a movement, you know, like, I just think that, like, that that has to be the central focus of what's happening, you know? Yeah. And so to I, to kind of let to kind of let that occur and be caught on video and then have, you know, op, like, I just think it's obvious the right wing is going to take advantage. Oh, of man, it. they didn't waste a you second, know? Ryan. Right. It, it's like wrap it up in a bow and just send it to the White House or Fox right. News. That's what it felt like. <laughs> uh and, and, and it, it's really frustrating to someone who's been covering these things because it is it, it is such it is a it's a, a split second of hours and hours of of yeah. of uh, you know all these protests that have been perfectly peaceful and powerful and good speeches and you know and all these other things. So, but at the same time, like you have to realize that that can happen. That, that can happen. That, like, can, if you do, you, you squander. Know. You squander. Think of all the marching, all the goodwill, and that was created by right. so much and support. And then all right. you need is something like this, and you start peeling people away who do not in any way right. want to support what they just saw. Right. I mean, I, yes, I one hundred percent agree. I think that um, sometimes these movements can forget about. Um, what what effect they're having in the media, right? So if you have a very powerful movement that's sympathetic, the effect you can have on the media is powerful, right? You exactly. Can, you can get to the people that don't necessarily agree with you in the beginning, and they might start agreeing with you, right? Right. right. You know, the, you know the analogy I love to use is the um, you know Nashville sit-ins in the '60s, right? Like mm-hmm. segregation was the law of the land, 
and it yeah. was supported, right? right? And it was because of John Lewis and these other <coughs> activists that went into, you know, all these lunch counters in Nashville, and they just sat there, right? right. And they right. just said, please serve me. Because and they didn't talk back when they were being... They talked back, and people were throwing drinks on them and all these other things. And yeah. I, I obviously don't support... <laughs> don't support segregation obviously and i don't support you know other people intimidating them and being rude to them and you know pouring drinks on them and yelling slurs at them and all these other things but what happened is that the the press coverage that came out of that was so powerful that nashville within i think like uh you know three or four months um you know ended segregation as downtown lunch counters you know well well you know i i'm thinking because you mentioned john lewis yeah and he talks about getting in good trouble Right. And that's good trouble. What these guys did Saturday ain't good trouble. No, or at least the uh, you know the few that did it, right? The few that did it, but that's the only ones who get covered. And they've got to be. I don't know who's supposed to do it. You know, it. The fact that I start squawking and screaming about it, I can be dismissed immediately as an old white lady. Yeah. The fact that. You, in your position with City Paper, who I'm sure that the vast majority of protesters think of as an ally, right, is saying, uh, hey, that yeah. maybe... Maybe they don't think of me an ally anymore. <laughs> well, no, you've really got, you've got a position here where you can, I don't know, where are the, where are the, the people who can, who these out of control few can, where are the people that can talk to them? Um, I mean, honestly, that's a question I've been, well, I mean, I, I think ta- that's a question I've been pondering myself. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know if there really is. I don't really know if there's that structure that's set up. And I also don't know if there's an appetite to talk to them. So, um, what you about know, the old, I, I mean, I was thinking, I was talking to a friend about this the other day, uh-huh. somebody, you know, an old warrior like uh, Tim Stevens, uh-huh. Or Carl right. Redwood. I don't even know if you know some of these old, I these do, old I do. wonderful black I men. Why I, I can't they? They have no say. I don't think they have any say in that group. Um, I, I, I mean, I think they've been out at some of the protests, some of the bigger ones. But I mean, you have to remember that these things have been gone going for for months now, and so they've 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 uh, they're smaller than they once were. Um, I think that there's only a certain group of people that attend them, um, a smaller group, a more dedicated or more, uh, I'll just say smaller group, uh, you know, that, you know, that attend these things. And I I don't think any of that, I'm I'm pretty sure none of that hierarchy exists between, between those, um, you know, between, you know, the black community or even the leftist community, you know, like, um, so, do you know Do you know yeah. Kimberly Ellis? I don't. Is she? It, it, she's. I'm looking at a. I don't. Know, I'm looking at the Tribune Review, and they say she's founder of Black Politics Matter. I don't know what that is, but okay. she said those of us who have been activists, those of us who are leaders in our community, all of us, we want everyone to know that it is completely unacceptable behavior. It does not represent us. This is, you know, and this is not about coddling white feelings or respectability politics. We do not approve of this behavior. 
So, I mean, I don't know if she is, but she's trying. Right. They can't be getting much support except from uh, their own, own little bubble right. they might be in. Right. I think, I think, but I think, uh, yeah, I think clearly there's been some people who have come out and said, you know, something about, about how this, you know, they, you know, they don't support this behavior, but there are other people who are saying that, that are defending, um, uh, you know, maybe not the explicit action, but the whole, you know, the whole situation, I guess. Yes. Well, you know what? I have something right here that completely, uh, oh, damn. I hope I want to get it on. Um, no, let me, let me, let me just get this off for a second until sure. I get to where I want the audio to kick in. Okay, here, I've got it. Wait, 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 wait. stop, stop, stop. Oh, I'm such a, <laughs> you, this is, stop this that. Is, this is a boomer moment for sure. I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Never mind, an old adult boomer woman. But I want, I, what I'm trying to get here, <laughs> oh, shit. okay, wait, what I'm trying to get here, God damn it, is, um, is Trevor Noah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because he... Why can't I... Find, okay, here it is. God damn it. There might be a little bleed over from what I don't want to hear, but here we go. Okay, wait. Wait a minute. Okay. okay, guys. No. No, no, no. I'm sorry, but no. I'm all for the Black Lives Matter movement and fighting against systemic racism and police brutality but it's not acceptable to storm a restaurant and just flip over tables. First, you introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Sean, and I'll be your protester this evening. Then you flip over the tables. Manners, people. Now look, jokes aside, we are living through one of the most stressful times in modern history, right? And in order to have any honest conversation, we have to acknowledge everything that's happening. You have a pandemic with people losing their jobs, and people losing their lives. On top of all of that, you have a nation that has been inundated with images of police brutality day in and day out. People who are experiencing it all the time. Here's what I think. I think sometimes in society, people get more focused on the symptoms than the cause. Because right now everyone's talking about what's the right way to protest. What is the right way to protest? I think the real question people should be asking is, why does there need to be a protest in the first place? Because if I had a magic wand, I wouldn't be trying to fix protest. Yeah. I'd use it to get the police to stop brutalizing black people. That's Okay, and he goes on and starts, like, did right. you hear that? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of people who would push back uh, what we're saying now. But, I mean, I, I just don't, I, it's so I obvious. Think, I do think that's. I do think that, like, you know, different forms of protest are going to evolve through time, right? Like, like, you know, obviously I brought up, like, the Nashville sit-ins, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way to go uh, now. Well, one, because segregation is illegal. And so they're specifically, you know, um, you know, protesting one thing, right? And so I do think that, you know, we don't know exactly what the right method of, you know, protesting will be in the future um, to 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 really address this movement. I do, I am confident in saying that the way to, the way to really move the needle on these things is to get the kind of press coverage that moves the needle, <laughs> I guess, so to say. And, well, you do and, that though, then by, yes, as you said, right, a certain kind that, of right. you know, demonstration. I, I, you know, if I think, like, I think that personally is 
um, probably uh, getting in confrontations with the police, getting in peaceful confrontations with the police, or maybe non-peaceful, but like uh, non-violent, uh, you know, confrontations yeah. with the police, and then having the police behave badly, and then you record that. That that, that has been that has seemed to have been throughout me covering this whole movement. The, the times that there's any kind of pressure on public officials for them to make statements, to, uh, to, uh, make changes in command staff to, um, where city councilors are going to be like, I'm going to introduce a bill or whatever, you know, like it, it always seems to come after there's some video of a police officer behaving badly. Uh, and, uh, for instance, I just reported yesterday about a police officer <laughs> behaving badly. And yeah. Uh, so, um, but that, the so, but the opposite right, is true too. Right. So videos of protesters behaving badly, and so I would I would say that you know regardless of whether uh, people support what happened, uh, you know downtown, the press coverage of that is uh, what I think I described on Twitter as um, as an own goal basically. You know a what like, a what you know an own goal like in soccer. It's when you like kick the ball in your own net. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't so, know from soccer. <laughs> <laughs> this is America. We play football. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, and uh, but but I think basically that um, what 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 happened because of the press coverage, and again because because that I'm sorry, the right controls um, has a lot of power. They don't control all the press, but they have a lot of power, right? And when they want to rile something up they can rile it up. And especially when there's video evidence of someone doing something like what they did. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and, um, so the, how, how, how the press covered everything is, is, is going to make, is going to, is going to be a little bump, at least a little bump, uh, you know, in the road for this movement and what, and what needs to be focused on and what needs to be focused on is how to get, how to organically get that press coverage that really helps shift everything. You know? Well, and I want to point out that we're less than two months out from the day we've been waiting for forever, which right. is right. The, uh, the day we have the ability to get these, these fascists out of power. And, right. um, and that's a, even a bigger picture, frankly. And I, these this in as much as this scares uh, some white suburbanites who now mm. would not venture downtown and were sort of thinking they couldn't vote for Trump um, mm. scares them back into the Trump column. I mean, I, it's unforgivable. I want to, I mean, I just want to wring these kids necks and a lot of them are really young. They don't have, you mm. know, even their brains aren't fully developed, especially the part that, you know, for judgment, isn't that the last to yeah. develop? Oh God. I just, well, I think, I think, you know, just a, just a, just a segue into my own reporting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, Ryan. <laughs> I think, I think a lot of, a lot of what's happening with this movement and, and the fact that suddenly the protesters are so young and I was at, I was at this place myself, like when I first moved to Pittsburgh, you know, I'm not as young as they were, but I was still naive in terms of what Pittsburgh is. Uh, there's still a lot to be learned about the local politics and, 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 and the local media and, and how it all works. And like, for instance, there's, 
there there feels like at least online and and in protest a strong movement to uh, oust uh, Mayor Bill Peduto. Yes, and, online. You know, I, yes, yes, online, yes. And and my story this week is uh, I I talked to a bunch of people and I kind of tried to talk to as many people as I could to see if there's any legitimate challengers uh, who are thinking about running against Mayor Peduto. And so far, there there aren't. There's none. Yeah, I was so, asking someone this question just the other day. Right. So if somebody wants to outflank him on the left. <laughs> have you heard a name? No. No. Uh, no, there's been some names that have been thrown around, but again, I, I think a lot of the learning process, I'm not trying to insult anybody from like trying to understand politics and learn through it because like, like I'm admitting that when I first got here, I didn't really understood it. And I probably went too fast in before I really understood sure. what was going on. But think, like, for instance, a lot of people are suggesting that uh, Summer Lee run or Jerry Dickinson run or Lisa Middleman run. These are some of the strongest names that have been out online. All those people are ineligible to run because they do not live in the city of Pittsburgh and you have to live in the city for at least three years before you run for mayor. That's like one of the only rules. And Dickinson uh, doesn't live in the city. No, he lives in Swissville. It's close to the border. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who don't Uh, know who Dickinson was, he ran, um, he ran against in the primary against, uh, why am I blanking now? Um, yes, Mike Doyle for Congress. He's a law professor, um, at Pitt. Yes. I mean, you know, he's a smart guy and he's an ambitious yeah. guy. And, um, you know, he, I mean, also to be frank, he did, he probably underperformed uh, what he probably could have done against Mike Doyle. So, um, uh, that's another, that's another kind of learning thing to learn to be like, well, he didn't do that well against Mike Doyle. So he might not be able to beat Peduto. Um, and, uh, you know, I would, and you could argue, and you could argue Peduto to the left of Doyle. Um, so I think, uh, you know, a lot of these things and I've, there's been other names thrown around there, and I reached out to all of them, and uh, I think some people were suggesting, oh, well, maybe Erica Strasberger could run. Um, Mary, you know, maybe Corey O'Connor could run these younger, uh, more, you know, maybe more ambitious, you know, city councilors, and both of them said they're not running. No, this is not their time. I mean, I have right. little doubt that Connor wants, I mean, that, that, yeah, O'Connor wants to run and intends to run, but this right. is not I, the time. I think in the city, well, and like uh, another thing I've in my story is, um, uh, an incumbent mayor hasn't lost in the city of Pittsburgh since 1933. And that was the last Republican mayor to hold the office. And yeah. apparently he uh, was placed in that office just a couple years before his, uh, re- I mean, his election. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it was kind of like the last gasp of the GOP in, you know, you know, in the city of Pittsburgh. So mm-hmm. that was a lot of time an incumbent mayor lost. And even that was a weird circumstance, you know? So, it just shows that incumbent mayors don't lose that much, and, you know. Even when they're even when they're starting to like, um, uh, and when I've get mentioned, yeah, when I've mentioned to people that these protesters really want Peduto out, people are shocked. You know, people who are not on social media said, "What? You know, right. what? I mean, he's supportive of the movement, but you know." He has seemed uh, uh, tentative and a little ham-fisted at times, and yeah. um, and uh, sort of prickly. Um, right. You know, I don't think he's handled the situation at his house particularly deftly. Right. Um, and I think he's hurt. My guess is he's always assumed that he's thought of as this progressive. Right. Right. And to have 
progressive. Right, take, right, right. Yeah, you know, come after him. It, it's he's he's like, angry. You know, just last year, just last year, he he took some pretty strong stances for a western for a prominent Western Pennsylvania politician to come out um, against against, against crack, crack. Yeah, uh, against cracker yeah. plant and fracking yep, and, yep. and all and of that and like. That that like that I mean he got he got some serious blowback from that from Ethan Gerald mm-hmm. and and you know you know and the right um you know and the center basically and and you know and that was a and a lot of people in the city applauded him for that you know and and now so he's like now he's getting it from this other thing and I think it kind of speaks you know one one yes I think it speaks to generally that you know I think I I would also agree that he's been a little ham fisted on some you know you know, on, you know, some recent things, but he was still, even before all that, he was still really, really popular within the city. Yeah. <laughs> I and I think he still, well, he still is. Realize. And I think so too. And I think and the protesters don't hits. realize that either. Yes. I think maybe he's taken some hits from his popularity, but yeah. I mean, when he ran for reelection, he had 69% of the vote in a three-way yeah. race. Like, yeah. hey, that's a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so I think maybe he's taken some hits, but he's still probably generally popular. And, yeah. and, and, and I think that's something that, that I think, you know, young people uh, who are really getting, who are starting to get into politics, we just gotta, you gotta understand, you gotta, you gotta understand that this is what the playing field is. How do we, how do we play on this field and how do we exactly uh, and how do we win? You know, well, that they're, they're a long way from that. They're, they're still in the sort of demonstrative, passionate, uh, you know, phase of, of letting their voices be heard. But, um, and that's fine and dandy with me until they start helping Donald Trump. And then I want them to shut the F up. (laughs) That's just from me. Um, Hey, can I move to another local story? I saw, speaking of the Twitter verse, um, the uh, Michael Fuoco of the uh, newspaper mm-hmm. guild. He yeah. heads the guild at that's the union um, at yep. uh, Pittsburgh Post Gazette. He tweeted this um, yesterday. It was abundantly clear today that the Post Gazette does not want a peaceful settlement with the guild. We tried. We offered concessions any company looking for a negotiated settlement would jump at. What we got was disdain and disrespect. They want war. They'll get it. Yeah. Well, that sounds like we're heading to a real, uh, what, a strike. Well, they've already authorized the strike. But they haven't walked out. Right. Yeah, they just got to get the they got to get the okay and the date from uh, the the head union and now I yeah go ahead please also Burris has been replaced yes by some guy from the Philadelphia used to be at the Philadelphia Inquirer right yeah Yeah. Um, what's going on there and what's that about. Do you think? I think there's a lot of mystery. To be perfectly <laughs> honest, I think I think Potter. I, I'm sorry. I think the um, editor at WSA, Chris Potter, had a really good tweet about it, where he says, "No one knows what this means." <laughs> and, oh, okay. <laughs> well, that <laughs> all right. <laughs> and I and I and I agree with that. Like it, it's truly a mystery. Uh, most of the uh, I saw most of the staffers at the PG were like, "Oh, we had no idea about this," and this is like they dropped it on like a Saturday too, on a holiday, and um, 
you know. Uh, why would a guy? Why would this guy walk into this? Is what I want to know. I, it's a, it's a. I don't know. It's a really good question. I mean, maybe. Um, I mean, to be perfectly frank, I don't think Burris was good at his job, right? I mean, I don't think he's good at being the executive editor, basically like running, uh, you know, running the editorial staff. I think what his experience was in and what opinion, um, which is what he's going to be left to, right? right? Opinion. Yeah, that was his. That was his more of his bread and butter, you know. Even though I don't like his opinions. Uh, so that no, does but, this mean though that he's physically going to go back to where he came from? To Toledo? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they don't really talk to me. So. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Well, I just want to, because some people might not, yeah, be aware of all of these things going on. And since it's right. pretty much the only paper we've got left, kind of, sort of, I'm David. Yeah, I, will say, I will say that I think the Trib has been doing some pretty decent work lately. Yes, they have. So They've been got stepping up. Pat on the back. Yes. Yes. And, up. well, they're picking up some of the PG reporters. Oh, yeah. I mean, Paula, like I know Paula, Paula Reed Ward covering the courts forever for right. PG is now with them. Amazing job. Yep. And she's good. So if you want local news now, Trib Live, um, well, getting city paper first. Well, of course, but I'm saying it's a <laughs> city paper and Trib Live give you, yeah, are going to give you news happening. Right. And the PG, yeah, not so there. much, not so well, much. Right. Especially of late, it's just been so chaotic ever since they took that strike vote. I think there's been, um, yeah. I've noticed a lot of staffers have been going on vacation, which obviously they deserve a vacation. Um, but, you know, it just kind of feels like um, a sinking ship. Feels, a little bit. So yeah. we'll see what happens with the strike. Um, and to be honest, I'm kind of surprised it hasn't happened sooner. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I guess this is how these things play out. I don't know. Yeah. Well, um, always good to get your point of view. I, I respect yeah. it, especially since you're like, you know, a good 40 years younger than me. So I, <laughs> and the fact that you uh, are in agreement with me on this, uh, really, uh, made me, uh, made me, uh, happy. I guess I surprise some people sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It, it, well, no, but you're, you're absolutely right. And I, and I think you're in a unique position to, at least get um, the attention of a lot of protesters who can then maybe put some pressure on uh, Nikki Lorenzo and some of the others right. who have gotten maybe too full of themselves and lost lost their way a little bit. Yeah, and I think just as like from a journalist's point of view, like I like covering this stuff and I want to continue to cover it, but I also want to continue to see, you know, impactful journalism. That's what. I think that's what most, I mean, that's what city paper really wants to try to do impactful entertaining too. Um, right. But you know, and, and so, you know, the more that that becomes the focus of these things, not only makes me happy as a writer and as a, <laughs> as a reporter, uh, but I think it will, it will, it will make a, a bigger difference, uh, you know, uh, on the whole movement moving forward. Exactly. Ryan, thank you. You got a lot of work to do, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Lynn. Thanks for having me on. And you're doing great work. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. So, God almighty. I, um, did you watch Michael Cohen on Rachel Maddow last night? I watched some of it. I watched the first little bit, and then I just couldn't anymore. Um, but, because I, I, as 
I really rarely watch these shows, but I, I, I knew she was had him on, and I wanted to hear. He said pretty much off the top something that made my blood run cold, but it's so, he knows this guy so well, this guy being Trump, uh, that I listen when Michael Cohen speaks. <laughs> and he said this, and I think it is absolutely spot on. I won't, I don't have the exact quote, but close. He says if, if he loses, if Trump loses, he'll have two and a half months, which is something that's always made me a wreck, right? Those two and a half months till, the, till Biden would be sworn in. So Cohen says if he loses, he's got two and a half months. He'll resign and let President Pence pardon him and his family and a whole bunch of other people. Now tell me that doesn't sound exactly like what would happen. Um, technically it would be legal, right? He'll resign. The then lame duck vice president becomes the president for a whole, yeah, two months. And um, Trump resigns. Uh, the deal is you, you can be president for two months, <laughs> but you got to pardon me. Now, it remains to be seen whether Pence would be okay with that uh, position in history. I don't know. I also want to say that it's also true that this would not shield uh, Trump from all of the uh, the uh, the New York uh, the Southern District of New York. Uh, going after him after the fact, um, as a once he's out, and would I think, and it would certainly not stop. Well, it might the Southern District since that's the feds, but it would not stop the uh, the district attorney uh, Cyrus Vance for going after uh, Trump Corporation and all of their uh, shady, uh, probably illegal uh, dealings nor would it stop the New York Attorney General or other attorneys general. So it wouldn't stop state and local people from um, going after him because the president, uh, even a two-month president, Pence, could not uh, shield Trump from any of, uh, of that. So um, I'm, I just thought that sounded so plausible and in a way okay with me uh, if he were you know just get out and stop you know because if he doesn't get out if he retains the presidency up until the last minute I can't even begin to imagine what he will do because uh, no no norm will be left unshattered and I I don't know if if you, like I, have been thinking and praying for Ruth Bader Ginsburg every day, we haven't mentioned her, but she's always in my thoughts. Uh, 
um, she's still hanging in. And she's got, I have little doubt, uh, a terminal illness now. And uh, if, if she dies before the election, uh, they will put someone on the court. If she dies after the election and Trump is still in as a lame duck, they would still put someone on the court. She really has to stay alive until the 6th, I believe it's the 6th or the 3rd of January, which is when the newly elected senators and House members uh, take their seats. Uh, They are sworn in before the president. I might not have the date right. But they are sworn in uh, the first week in January. I think somebody might want to check that for me, but that's what I think. So uh, once once they are in, I would ass- and I'm going to assume that the Democrats retake the the Senate. Uh, although I shouldn't, but I will. Um, then the court packing ends as of then. So. This is all of uh, the the stuff that uh, that keeps keeps us up at night. <laughs> I have little doubt. Um, okay, just checking to see if I had a okay. Um, oh, you know what hadn't occurred to me, but it's another thing that clearly is going to happen. Um, I'm thinking of all the things the. The children are having to deal with now, um, and children being, you know, I don't know, used to not having any power and just being told this is what it is, this is what you got to do, blah blah blah. They might be more uh, capable than some of us ossified um, adults, but they have been asked to forego so many things, you know summer camps, playing with, uh, you know, any friend they want to, um, school, um, all of this stuff that they have lost. And um, you know what they're going to lose coming up next month? They're going to lose trick-or-treating. You tell me if that isn't true. How the hell would anybody trick-or-treat during a pandemic? Hmm? How the hell? So the good news is it'll save me uh, from gaining my usual uh, trick-or-treat few pounds because I never know how many are coming. I always get too much, and I end up eating it all. So... But, you know, that's just another sad thing. Uh, Actually, Los Angeles, I believe, has already called off um, trick-or-treating. Roger asks, how does one get pardoned if they're not convicted of anything? (laughs) Is that possible? Now, that's an interesting question. 
Any lawyers in the house? I think it probably might be that you can say, and I uh, will, I, I, I think it must be possible. Somebody help me on that too, Roger. That's a really good, that's a good question. A really good question. And Gigi says, Cohen's theory has also been my friend's theory for a while. But, and yeah, Pence can't pardon Trump from state charges and New York is going after him. Right. Also, wouldn't he have to be charged with something before a pardon could be issued? Here's that question again. Anybody? Anybody know the answers? Are we a, a, a legal-free uh, audience here? Man, no lawyers. Okay. No, maybe constitutional lawyers or whatever. But that's a, that's a that's a great question, and I'm sure we'll get we'll get an answer if not uh, before the hours up uh, by tomorrow. I I would imagine I'll make a point of it. Um, but also speaking of uh, the law. And as it exists under uh, this lawless uh, president, unconvicted though he may be, what Barr's Justice Department pulled off uh, yesterday is jaw-dropping. And in case you hadn't heard the latest travesty, uh, as you know, Many women have charged uh, that Donald Trump uh, assaulted them, raped them. One woman who said she was raped by him is a uh, journalist named E. Jean Carroll. And she uh, came out with her story last year, I believe. And she still has the dress she was wearing when he raped her at a department store in a department store dressing room. <laughs> and um, she's been going after him, and she has uh, a case pending against him that has been moving through the judicial system and uh, she's what she's accusing him of is not rape. I, I think I have this right, but of um, slander because uh, of what he has said about her and the rape uh, since Trump's, uh, has been trying to forestall this thing constantly. But not too long ago, a New York state court where this is playing out rejected Trump's attempt for a delay. And so he was, it was getting, they were running out of cards to play. And he was going to have to, Trump, produce documents, sit for a deposition, and most importantly, provide the court a DNA sample. Which, if it matches what's on her dress, we got a whole new game here. And so, because 
that was starting to get way too close for comfort. Who comes to his rescue? Bill Barr and the the U.S. Attorney General, who would have nothing to do with a case like this. What does this have to do? By the way, we'll be paying for it now. Um, so for the Justice Department, what they said is they're intervening. And they are going to represent Trump in this case. And I think I've got this right. Or their intervention turns the case to they want to make the government the defendant rather than Trump. So they'll be arguing stuff like, in the scope of his office as president, he is entitled to say this or that, and yada, yada, yada. And um, I I might be spewing some uh, incorrect stuff here, but I have never heard of such a thing. I mean, it means that the United States Justice Department and its muscle and its lawyers will be his defense attorney. Now, in a, essentially a rape case, um, they're saying that because Trump was acting as president when he denied the rape, the courts should substitute the United States for President Trump as a defendant because he's, I mean, that just sounds, again, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know anything about the law. But this is clearly another effort to delay, 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 because that DNA on her dress is going to match Donald Trump's. Incredible. Kurt writes, I don't know if it's legal or constitutional, but Gerald Ford's pardon of Nixon was preemptive. It was, wasn't it? There you go. There you go. So it can be done. When Ford pardoned Nixon on Nixon's way out the door, exactly the same scenario, right? And that pardon by Ford covered any crimes he had been accused of or might be accused of related to actions taken during his presidency. And I'll tell you, if you'll recall, if you were around then, all hell broke loose. Broke loose. But some would argue it allowed the country to move forward. I don't know what the right answer, but thank you, Kurt. I think that is, that's right. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure why a president can do that, but that is true. Uh, Nixon had not been convicted of anything when he resigned. 
Um, he'd been impeached, but he hadn't been convicted in the impeachment. And, and, and that would be its own, uh, you know, he would have been then removed as president. Ford still, I suppose, could have pardoned him then um, for any other crimes that somehow hadn't been covered in the impeachment or any others that would come to light. Fascinating. Um, and recall that Gerald Ford was the vice president then who became the president because Richard Nixon's vice president was a felon. Spiro Agnew. He didn't last out as vice president because he was a criminal, a crook. And it's interesting about these Republican administrations with all their crooks. Nixon's attorney general, John Mitchell, ended up doing time. All the people around him, Haldeman, Ehrlichman, uh, what's his name, the Jesus freak, um, um, all of them ended up felons. And would that that be the case with this crowd? Because this crowd actually makes the Nixon guys look like Boy Scouts. Uh, somebody's telling me that Donald Trump has just been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, fat chance of that. Uh, okay, Father Joseph has... Father Joseph, I, in, I will read this without inserting any of my reactions. Okay, I'm going to read it as written. The key to successful protests is the messaging and the optics. Boy, do I have to bite my tongue. Okay. Gay community, fairness, and safety is their message. Optics, pictures of loving, professional, career couples and families, as well as examples of hate crimes. Okay. Successful protests, undocumented immigrants. The message is they contribute to the country's labor force and and uh, caring for children and uh, and I'll add this I can't help myself and the economy would collapse without them. Um, the optics, the dreamers, scenes of children in cages, children being torn from their parents' arms. So, right. So far, really good here, Father Joseph, and I can't help myself. There's messaging, and then there's optics. And then Father Joseph says, the messaging and optics are way off for the current protest. It is not about what the media uses. It is all about what the protesters provide by way of messaging and optics. 
They are not organized for strategic communication. However, it is also true there is a learning curve for movements. Undocumented immigrants first tried marching with pride, carrying flags from their home nations, like Mexico or Venezuela, but you didn't see many American flags. That was a classic mistake. The next march had loads of American flags on display because the movement began to understand messaging and optics. This will take time. Well, you're absolutely right. I'm an impatient person. My fear, though, is the fear of the time we are in, which is two months, less than two months out from the election. An election that is being run by the incumbent, by racial fear baiting. You see these people, these out-of-control black people who are grabbing, terrorizing diners and, and go even terrorizing black owners of, uh, of restaurants? They're foul-mouthed, they're scary, and they're coming for you. So in as much as the optics, certainly from this weekend here, play into the hands of Trump and his efforts for four more years. Uh, I feel like I don't have time to have these young protesters have time (laughs) to learn. Somebody's got to tell them. They're hurting right now. They're hurting us. They're, they're, they, haven't, they, don't, they don't have their shit together. Excuse me, Father. They don't have their messaging together, and they don't have the optics. Many of them do. The marches have been. I mean, I have been so proud of the marches and of the marchers and of and I you know I went on one and I was blown away by what I saw as the organization of it the marshals the constant uh the leaders of the march the lead, the one I was on constantly telling the marchers to be respectful to um to not in any way uh leave a mess to clean up anything. And when they left one place and started marching on to another, they said, okay, we need to clean up everything that's here. We're going to make it cleaner than it was when we came. That kind of care. Nixon wasn't impeached. Oh, is this the threat of impeachment? You see how my old brain is. Nixon wasn't. He surely would have been once the tapes were released, but he resigned. He resigned before he was impeached. You're right. He did. He was not impeached. I'm sorry. I knew I was, I think I'm saying a lot of stupid stuff today. I don't know why. Well, I'll tell you why. I have a doctor's appointment in an hour and a half, and I'm so nervous because I'm just nervous about this. So I, I think my head's not quite here. That's my excuse. 
as I knew. Oh, dear. And Mary says, <coughs> Ford granted to Nixon a full and unconditional pardon for any crimes that he might have committed against the United States as president. In particular, the pardon covered Nixon's actions during the Watergate scandal. And so the pardon was for any crimes he may have committed while in office. And, you know, when it comes to Donald Trump, the list, that list is so long. I mean, there isn't a day that goes by that he probably doesn't, hasn't committed a crime. I kid you not. Just with the emoluments, just with his getting rich, uh, I, 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 it's it, it just with the um, why am I blanking on the Hatch Act? Just with stuff like that on a daily basis. Oh well, thank you all. I was checking to see if we had the report in the COVID report yet, but, you know, um, and I will be in terror of getting that report in another few weeks because they've been so good lately, but they're ain't so good. I got a feeling, uh, in the near future. Oh, here it is. Ah, did I just say good? Well, I mean, it's new cases are still under 100. It's 68 confirmed cases in the last 24 hours, but they're reporting nine new deaths. Uh, the deaths are, let's see, five people in their 70s, three in their 80s, one in their 90s. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we got to steal ourselves because that is going to be going up. All right, guys. Okay. Thank you so very uh, much for being there, for correcting me, keeping me uh, honest. I do appreciate it, <laughs> truly. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll be back uh, tomorrow, God willing. Have a great day. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.